Good morning. Hope, hope uh, you're having a great morning so far. I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Bridge Goldsboro. So glad to have you. How are you doing 9 a.m. service? Yeah, we came in. It's cloudy. How many of you got dumped on um, yesterday? Not you got dumped. You got dumped on by the rain. So sorry if you had a relationship breakup uh, yesterday. It's not what I meant. Uh, I was actually at the grocery store yesterday, and it was pouring down rain. I'm talking monsoon. And it's kind of where you stand at the door and you think, I wonder if I could make it. And you sit there for about 10 minutes, and then you, uh, you get your go face on. Uh, and then all of a sudden you realize, as soon as you take four steps into the parking lot, by the way, you're committed at that point, um, you realize you've made a mistake. <laughs> and, you, and you get the groceries in the car, and you are completely drenched. And you're riding down the road, completely wet, and somebody pulls up beside you, and you're like, what's up? And you get, look, you just got out of the shower. Yeah, it was a lie to believe that I could go into the parking lot and, and it not be that bad. We're in a series called Fake News, Lies You Believe. And here's what I'm going to tell you. There are a lot of things in life, in society, that get spoken into us or that we believe because we feel it, and it has no root in God's Word whatsoever. And we've been talking about different lies throughout this series. Uh, just a couple real quick. We, we talked about the lie that time heals all wounds and how that's a complete lie and how we, we, we actually have to, have to heal through a process rather than just time going by. Um, everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. Um, and we, we talked about filters that we have in our lives that we have to put in place for friends. Last week, we, we talked uh, about the mentality, every man for himself, um, and the lie that my greatest need is to take care of myself. We talked about several lies in this series, um, and the fact is, is we've probably covered less than a fraction of 1% of all the lies <laughs> that kind of get fed to us on a day-to-day -day basis. And so today, my goal uh, is not to tell you another um, not to bring up another lie, not to talk about another lie that gets fed to us. But what I want to do today is, is give you a lie detector. As we wrap up this series, I want to talk about how to go through life with a lie detector so that we're able to actually filter through um, some of this stuff. Um, sometimes lies aren't something that we hear. Sometimes lies are something that we feel. You want to know why? Because we live in this world where we gravitate towards things that feel good. We, we live in a world where our inclination as humans is to gravitate towards our feelings. And it takes the form of rationalizing our standards. Um, and it's important to understand this because it's, it's, lies aren't something that we hear all the time. It's not something that we always hear with our ears because somebody else tells us. We'll start rationalizing our standards because it feels good. And what I mean by that is you, you may say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go hang out at this particular party because I've been doing good lately. It's just one, I haven't been around these friends in a long time, so I'm probably strong enough to, to go. I probably got enough good on the inside of me to go hang out. And so we, it feels good. Nobody told you that. It's just something that, that you feel, and, and it's a lie. And other times we hear, them from, hear lies from people, and Satan uses that too. But whatever it is, I want you to know that we have to be really careful about what we, what we let inside of our lives. And so I have this big uh, sign here that says lie. And I want, as we talk today, I want you to understand that there are millions, trillions, and the, the numbers keep going into infinity, the amount of lies Satan can use to twist and, and maneuver and to make you believe something that's completely not true. And so whatever it is, this, this represents that today for you. And so what, what, what I want to do today is I want to give you a lie detector so that whether you're hearing lies, whether you're, maybe it's just something that you feel, you're able to walk through life with a biblical worldview and have a lie detector. You're able to detect 
lie. So I think before we go any further, you need to understand what you're up against. The, here's the fact. The Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies. Have you ever heard of that? So no matter what comes into your peripheral, what comes right in front of you, any lie that you are introduced to is born of Satan. You need to understand that because when we begin to feel it and it feels good, we think that it's us. We think that it, it must be okay because this, this feels right. You need to understand who the author is. If it doesn't line up with God's word, then it is a lie. And Satan is the father of all lies. But all the lies, no matter how many millions come into your life in a lifetime, or how many come in, uh, to, into your life in a given day, all the lies that Satan can introduce to you are categorized into three categories. And the Bible tells us what they are. In 1 John 2.16, it says this, For everything, say everything, everything in the world, and then it gives us an example, the lust of the flesh, these are the three categories, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything comes from the world, not from the Father, but from the world. So everything, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from God, but it comes from the world instead. And so it separates the Father, which represents perfection. Uh, ultimately, it represents where we're going one day to heaven. And it separates that from the world, the place that we live in until we get there, the, the place where we're tempted, the place where we're inclined to sin. And so he says everything, all these things, anything that you can be lied to about or any lie that you can be introduced to, it's going to be categorized into the, either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And it doesn't come from God. It comes from the world and where, where you live. And so he's the lust of the flesh. Let's just talk about these just a second. That's the, the, the pleasing our need for excessive indulgence. That's the, that's the I want to satisfy myself now. That's, hey, I've already had three trips to the buffet, and I want more, you know? And you know you don't need more. You know you're not even hungry for more. It's just this, it's this lust of the flesh. I, it's, it's this, I have to indulge myself now. It could take the form of shopping, you know? I've, I, I, want, I want that because I want to satisfy myself. It could take the form of sexual pleasure. And I'm not just talking about pornography or something like that. I think some of the biggest dysfunctions uh, between married couples is the idea or the mindset that my spouse is just there for sexual pleasure. Even though we don't say that, we, we approach every encounter with, with the mindset that they're there just to, 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 to please physically. And we never group together the spiritual applications of sex and, and the physical. And so that, that can become a lust of the flesh. It could be the next party. Anything that you put before God that has control of you, meaning you can't stop it and maybe don't want to stop it, that's feeding the lust of your flesh. Does that make sense? This doesn't have so much to do with what it is, because Satan will use anything. It has to do more with feeding the hunger for indulgence in your life. It, I'm, I'm, I'm feeding it. And I've seen many people do it with all kinds of things. It, it, it could be, if you just, just listen, talk about alcohol for a minute. Well, it's just one glass of wine a night. And then before you know it, uh, they can't go a night without it. You, you've heard those stories. Maybe, maybe you've been there. I've seen people do it uh, with, with collecting things. It starts out with a small collection. And then before you know it, they're spending every extra dollar they have to, to feed and satisfy to collect more. There's nothing wrong with collections uh, until your collection becomes something that you can't stop. It's the lust of the flesh. Maybe it's a hurt in your life. It's something that you haven't dealt with. You don't want it, but you feed it every chance you get out of fear or out of anger. Every conversation you have, uh, it seems like nowadays, just begins to feed this, this hurt. It begins to turn toward your hurt. You'd be talking about the weather, and all of a sudden you're talking about something that hurt you because it was sunny the day they, they did that. 
Um, every situation somehow makes you relive it. And so your refusal to deal with a hurt in a healthy way becomes something that you feed your flesh with. It, it's the lust of the flesh. And then he says there's the lust of the eyes. This is the stuff mentality. I've got to have more, more stuff. I need more things to make me happy. Um, we, we see this all the time. I see it and I want it. Um, don't think this is you. Look at your Amazon shopping cart over the last six months and, and, and see how much of that stuff you really needed. Uh, maybe it's Walmart or wherever, wherever store you like. How much did you really need? I mean, really, think about that. Not to say that we don't live in a great country and we have, you know, uh, extra dollars and we can go get stuff. Sometimes I like to go to thrift stores just to buy crap I don't need, you know. You might do the same thing because um, it's cheap, you know. Well, I don't need this, but I want it. Um, but really look at that. Is it becoming something in your life that, that's feeding lust of the eyes? i got to have it. Even though I don't need it, it's to a point now where that's, that's, that's all I think about. You find out quick if that pertains to you. Uh, lust of the, the eyes could be uh, I want their stuff. It could be a covetous thing. I, I want what they have because I always have to keep up with the Joneses. I always have to keep, well, they have it, so I, I, I need to have it. That's lust of the eyes. And then there's, there's the pride of life. It's the idea and the attitude that image is everything. I'm always caring about the way I'm going to look to somebody. I'm always trying to put on some type of something so that I look good for somebody else. Being too concerned about your position in life or being too concerned about the way that you look to everybody else. Um, this kind of unhealthy pride can come from wealth. When, when you're affluent and wealth comes your way, it's very easy to let the pride of life kick in. I have this attitude that, you know, my wealth is something, and I have to, quit, I have to put up this, this attitude about it. Um, or maybe it's an important position that you have. You ever got a promotion, and you walk into work different the next day, buddy? I'm telling you. You walk in there, and you're like, somebody needs to say yes, ma'am to me, or somebody needs to say yes, sir to me. They've never said it before, but now that you have this, you know, something after your name and a sign on your door, somebody better be saying yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Sometimes the, the position that we hold can sometimes feed this, this pride of life. Ultimately, you, you begin to make decisions about everything, jobs. You begin to make decisions about relationships or purchases primarily based on your own image. How does this make me look? That's, that's the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Satan will take all these things, all these lies, and he'll filter them through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The question is, is how do I live being influenced by all these attitudes and ideas and recognize the lie for what, for what it really is? Here's the answer. I have to begin to see everything through the lens of the Word of God. That's your lie detector. You have to develop and maintain a biblical worldview. And that's, here's what's crazy. This is the truth. The Bible isn't popular nowadays. It's actually the best-selling book of all time. I don't know if you realize that or not, but it's the, by far, landslide. It's not even close. And when I say not even close, that, that phrase doesn't do it justice. The Bible, the Holy Bible, is the best-selling book of all time. But how much do we actually spend time reading it? I mean, how much time do, do we actually take it in? Until we live by it, we're going to be susceptible to lies. And so if... if if our lie detector is a biblical worldview, looking at everything through the Word of God, then we probably need to pick it up. And so I want to give you today uh, just a few um, things that you can do very practically to help you develop a biblical worldview so that when you have lies, whatever it is that comes into your life, whatever it is that you're faced with, again, this represents all the, the lies that Satan wants to use for you, that you're able to look at it and you're able to see truth. 
Okay? First one is this, just very plain. Read the Bible. <laughs> now, this, isn't that profound? I mean, I, you, 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 you just didn't know that until I just said it. Uh, we, we have the Bible. We can read it, but for whatever reason, we complicate it. I'm, I'm just being real. We complicate it. it the fact is, if you want to have a great knowledge about psychology, then you're going to read and study psychology books, right? If you want to have an, an advantage on that. And it's the same with any trade or any line of work. If you want to know something about it, then you've got to study it. You have to read it. But we complicate it when it comes to the Bible. Christians do it the worst. I, I'm, I'm a Christian because I come to church. That's, that's what we think. And our first duty when it comes to being a Christian in our minds is attending church service. And the pastor will tell me the Bible. Or I'll just read a little verse in, in the mornings occasionally. And somehow that's, that's going to that's gonna, you know, fill me for the rest of the week. And, and there's this word of God that he has has miraculously and awesomely given to us. And, and we settle for just chunks and little bits and pieces of it. And, and then, then we say, I'm a Christian because I attend church services. And, and, and that, that's like saying I'm a carpenter because I buy tools every Sunday. You know, I, I buy a box of nails every Sunday, so that means I must be a, a carpenter. Listen, if you want to follow Jesus, then we've got to actually do what he said. And if we want to do what he said, we actually have to know what it is. If you want to expose the lies in your life that Satan, he doesn't stop. He wants to feed them to you, and he will. And if, if we want to expose them, then you've got to know the truth. And if you want to have a biblical worldview, then you actually have to read biblical truth. And, and listen, we all make excuses about why we don't read the Bible. Um, I don't understand it. I don't understand parts of it. And I'll be honest with you, it's, it's not something you can pick up and read, and it's just from beginning to end, this chronological story, and it reads like a Nicholas Sparks novel. It doesn't. Um, it's written over the span of thousands of years by several human authors that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it has continuity in it in itself. But it's written different in a different culture. It started out being written in Hebrew and in Greek, and so there's, sometimes there's a loss in translation. It's something that you actually have to get context on. And you actually have to read. Now, parts of it just read beautifully, beautiful stories that you read, and you're just, you can't hardly put it down. And other parts are like, wow, this is crazy, <laughs> you know? Um, so we don't understand it. Or, or maybe we say, I hate reading. And the list goes on and on and on. Um, but let me just ask you this. What's the bigger sacrifice? Is it learning God's word and taking the time to do that or being deceived by lies in my life because I don't know it? And you have to decide for yourself, what is the bigger sacrifice for you going to be? I'd rather do the work of learning it. I'd rather do the work of learning what God's Word says and doing a little study on it than stumble in life because I don't know it. And Psalm 119 is true when it says this. Uh, he says, your word, God, your word is a, is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. Can you imagine for a minute walking through the woods and somebody telling you there's this path that you're going to walk down. And you know what? If you don't take the right trails, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, I mean, That's ultimately what's at, at the end of this for you if, if you don't do the right thing. And by the way, it's completely pitch black. We'd be going, first thing, I, I need a flashlight. <laughs> you know, I need something to help me illuminate this path. Now, it'd be crazy to go, okay, well, let me just you know, see how good my eyes will adjust. No, we're like, I, I need a light. And what he's saying is, is God's word is the light. And, and why, why should we go through life in the dark when his word is a light for us? When his word says, I will illuminate this path for you. We can easily spend hours and hours a week feeding ourselves with useless information 
uh, by watching Facebook videos. Um, I spent 30 minutes the other day watching why Robert Downey Jr. is the best Avenger. I mean, who cares, really? But I thought it was neat when I was watching it. Um, think about the fact that uh, God wants us to spend time learning what he has given to us. It's this idea that the God of the universe has this thing that he wants to give to us, this word that he, he wants to pour into our lives. And it's going to keep us from believing lies. So if you want a biblical worldview, then read biblical truth. Read the Bible. Second thing, evaluate everything. When you're reading the Bible, you're going to get some truth in your life. So when, when it comes time to address things in life that you come into, evaluate everything. Seriously, don't just believe it because you hear it. Don't just believe it because you read it somewhere. Evaluate it through the Bible that you've been reading. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. It says, test everything and hold on to the good and avoid all evil. So when you're watching TV, let's just get practical for a minute. You've got to ask yourself, are the values that are being portrayed here, does it line up with God's Word? Is, what's the value behind the show? What's being promoted here? And when you look at it through that lens, I'm telling you, things will pop up immediately. Um, so how far do I go with that, Pastor Ryan? Well, think about all the songs you listen to, all the, the TV stuff that you watch, the books that you read, um, the movies, talk show hosts. Uh, who do you follow on social media? What, what are they promoting? Because we can, we can so easily uh, believe a lie. We can face it, and we don't, we don't know any different because it doesn't say lie. It just feels good, and it feels natural, and so we, we go with it. But when you begin to read the truth of God's Word, and you actually begin to evaluate everything that you do in life through the Word of God, it, it's, it's going to pop. And I would even say this, don't evaluate the preachers that you listen to. Don't just believe everything I say just because I'm a preacher, just because I'm a pastor. Evaluate it. Use the Bible. And I know it's a lot easier just to go with the flow. I, I know it is a lot easier just to kind of go through life and, and not have to evaluate anything. It's not as time-consuming to have to just, to, 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 uh, to just go through life. It's not as worrisome just to watch whatever you want to watch on TV. You, you ever um, try to look up a movie on one of these family um, rating systems for movies because you have kids and you're getting ready to watch them? Anybody ever do that? There's several apps out there, and you look up, and you're trying to figure out which movie to watch. Um, and sometimes it takes forever before you can finally watch something that's going to be decent, that's not going to make you blush in front of your kids. You know what's easier? Just to start watching it, and when something goes by, go... Whoops, or try to, you know, you ever put the closed captioning on and try to mute it real fast when you see a cuss word coming? Don't act like you don't, don't do that. Uh, yeah, or it's, it's crazy. Um, or maybe you just go to a movie because it looks good. It's been promoted to you on TV. You've seen the trailers. It looks awesome. Um, and I, I just got to be honest, today's movies, especially some of the, the ones that are reaching the, the kids, getting the kids' attention, they want to watch them. And they're really excited about it. And then you look it up and you realize, I can't. <laughs> or else I have to really um, lower the, the standards here. Um, you know what I found the most difficult is going through several movie options with my boys and having to settle for some second-rate movie that's not popular because it has sex and excessive cussing in it. And you have to settle for the, the second-rate movie. And they get so upset. Bud, sorry, you can't, we can't watch that. I really want to watch it. Sorry, I know you do. Dad, please, please, Dad. And they, here we go with the, with the things. I hear these words all the time at school. My friends say them all the time. Uh, it's not going to affect me, Dad, I promise. I hear them all the time. Please, Dad, please. And I'm like, but I can't, can't do it. Um, and so I, I normally reference this story that I told him a while back. I'll, I'll tell it to you. The story goes like this. Uh, this boy goes to his dad, and he asks permission to watch a movie. And the movie it has some cussing in it. It's got 
you know, a sex scene or so in it, and the boy's making these rationalizations. Dad, I promise it's just a little bit. It's not a whole lot. Um, it's really fast. It's not even in the whole scheme of things. It's just this small little part, and the movie's so great. Why should we sacrifice the whole movie for this little bit? Please, Dad, please. Come on, w- work with me. And the dad says, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm not going to answer you right now. Let me think on it, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer you tomorrow. Uh, and he says, okay. So the next day, the boy comes home from school, and the whole house has this beautiful aroma of brownies baking. I mean, you know what I mean? When you walk into a house and it's just like, I got to have that. You know, this is what this kid thinks. Long day at school. I got to have some of these brownies. And so his dad says, you know what? They're going to be done soon. He said, you can have all that you want. Uh, He said, but I need to tell you something first. Before I made them, I went in the backyard and I picked up some of the, the dog's, you know, feces. And I put a few pinches of it in the brownie batter. And then I baked it. Now, here's the deal, son. It's, it's just a little bit. <laughs> you, know, it's, you probably aren't even going to taste it. In fact, be, the, the brownie batter was so, such a big bowl, that little pinch probably isn't going to make that big of a deal. You're not even going to know it's there. And the boy was mortified. He didn't even want to touch it. He's like, this is so gross, Dad. What are you trying to tell me? And he said, this is how a little bit of evil in our lives should begin to affect us. Even just a little bit can harden us to the truth of God's Word if we don't evaluate it. And if we don't make those priorities for ourselves. And so when my kids begin to ask about certain movies and they won't shut up about it, I just go, dude, it's in the brownie batter. (laughs) They hate that. They hate when I do that. But you have to decide to evaluate the things that you're letting into your life. More importantly, you have to decide what you're going to allow and let into your kids' lives. What is it that you're going to expose them to? And I'm just here to tell you, evaluating stuff like that is not easy. It's not always convenient. The standard of evaluation is the Word of God. It, it is this, this, this view of the world that, you know what, whatever comes into my life, it is going to be filtered through, every decision that I make is going to be done through the lens of the Word of God. Now, why is the, the Word of God the evaluation test? Why? Well, because it's the supreme source of truth. And you may say, well, that's your opinion, Pastor Ryan, and I don't have time to go into all the studies and all the history and all the, the stuff that's already been done by long before me by people that are smarter than me. But I will say this, the Bible has outlasted every culture in history, and it has an absolutely indisputable track record. It's the only thing that never changes is God's Word, and it's been true 100% of the time every time. Isaiah chapter 40 says this, says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Things all around us will change and shift. People will change and shift. People will come and go. Things will come and go. Generations will come and go. But God's word stands forever. And it's not always popular. But when you evaluate it and and live your life by the Bible, it will help you have a biblical worldview so that when you're faced with whatever it is in your life, you're going to be able to see the truth. You're going to be able to see right through it. It'll expose it. Read the Bible. Evaluate everything by it. And as you begin to do that, things are going to change in your life. And I'm just here to tell you, full disclosure, it may get hard. It'll get difficult. It's not convenient to do that. It's not convenient at all. And that's what makes this, this last one so important. To help have a biblical worldview, love God with all your heart. Well, what do you mean by that? Listen, I, it, evaluating and reading and, and pushing and striving after God, sometimes it gets difficult and when you're not feeling it anymore, when it just feels mundane and feels like yesterday's feelings and, hey, I was feeling good at church, but what about Monday morning and I'm waking up and I just want to do my same routine, what keeps you there? How, what, what keeps you going? 
Pastor Gage um, is a great musician. I didn't tell him I was going to say this, so you can pay me later. He's a great musician. He's a great guitar player. He's a great, he, he plays drums. I don't know if you've ever heard him play drums, but he's awesome. Uh, he can sing. He, he probably plays the other things. I don't know. Um, but you see up here a, a man that is very talented and that leads us in worship every week, and he makes it seem easy. What, what you didn't see is the hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours of practice and playing that he did to get him to this point right here. You're seeing, and he's still growing, obviously, we're all still growing, but you're seeing a product of hours and thousands, maybe, of practice. Do You know what stinks about learning how to play guitar? And Pastor Gage will tell you this. Your fingers hurt like crazy long before you ever get any good. Anybody ever tried to learn how to play guitar, take lessons, and you, 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 your fingers start hurting like day three? Maybe even sooner, depending on how much, how much you play. And you painstakingly try to figure out, you know, where to put your fingers or, or where to, where, what notes do what or where to put your fingers on chords. And, and you feel like a contortionist sometimes when you first start trying to, trying to bend your hand. And it's hard. And then once you finally figure out how to, how to actually play a chord, once you finally figure out where to put your fingers, and your fingers are killing you the whole time, then your brain won't move fast enough to get you to switch chords quick enough to actually play the song in timing. And it's crazy, because when it, whenever you're thinking about playing guitar for the first time, you imagine yourself as, as Slash from Guns N' Roses playing the solo from November Rain. Remember that? And, and what you really are is you look like a deer in headlights struggling to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> that's, that, that's kind of what happens. And, and it demands practice. And so your, your fingers are killing you. You feel like people are putting uh, needles in your fingers. And you don't know if you're learning how to play guitar or surviving an interrogation. You don't know what you're doing. And, 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 you know, not to mention you're thinking about the money you spent on the guitar, the money you spent on the equipment, depending on what you get, the money you spent on lessons maybe. And it's hard, and it, it demands practice, and it demands practice. And, and finally, everybody does this. Everybody that's ever done it, Pastor Gage included, they get to the place where they ask themselves the million-dollar question, is this worth it to keep going? <laughs> it hurts. I've spent money. I'm getting nowhere. I'm killing myself. What, what is it? We, they ask themselves, is the money and the pain and the slow pace of learning, is it worth it? And right there, a lot of people quit. They say, you know what? I'm going to put this up. Maybe my kid will learn how to play. <laughs> and then they do the same thing. Uh, the cost isn't worth the results that they're currently having. It's, it's true. But then there's other people, other guitar students, other musicians, that have a love for it. It's not just about learning how to play a song to impress a girl or to impress you know, mom and dad. It's, you have this love for it. It hurts the same. It's the same slow process, but they couldn't put it down to save their life. They couldn't do it because they, 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 they love it. Long after it gets hard, long after the pain is searing through their fingers, they're still there playing because they love it. They, they, they can't do anything else. It's like, oh, that's all they think about. There's something way down deep inside that said, I wouldn't trade this for anything. And calluses eventually start to form on their fingers. And it, it deadens the pain that they used to have as they begin to play. They go from learning two chords to 12 chords. And they go from being slow at switching the chords and their brain not, not clicking. All of a sudden now, they're playing it in perfect time. And after a certain amount of time, whatever that looks like, you have a pastor gauge. He's up here making it look easy. And you say, I wish I could do that. Or, hey, maybe I think I could do that. And you go home, and after about 10 minutes, you realize you can't. <laughs> and then you think the only difference between you and Pastor Gage is about 1,000 hours of practice. But are you willing to keep pushing through? Will you have the same love for it that he had? He wasn't born with that ability. He worked through the pain just like everybody else. And when everybody else was slowly quitting, he was still there because he loved it. 
Listen to me. Loving God with all your heart will be what keeps you going long after it gets hard. When you're trying to get this biblical worldview and, and you're trying to see all these things that are so normal in your life, but they're lies, and you're like, well, you know what? This is difficult to try to, try to read the Bible every day. Difficult to try to evaluate what I've already been doing. It's hard. It felt good while Pastor Ryan was talking about it. It felt inspiring. I felt good, but now I don't feel that anymore. It's difficult. Now I'm actually feeling the pain of actually making this adjustment. What keeps me going? It's, it's loving God. Long after the pain of life adjustments and creating boundaries, long after you have to say no to certain people because you don't live like that anymore, long after your pain that you have tempts you to believe that God doesn't care or, or that God isn't there like he said he was, long after the results that you've been praying for aren't there yet, long after that pain, long after all that time, you're not going to stay because you have the willpower. You're not going to stay because you have a pretty checkbox list. You're going to stay because you have a love for God and you don't want to live without him. And, and this is the difference between religious activity and a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, it's a love for God. And when you love God with all your heart, it'll open the door for you to know him. And that doorway is Jesus. And, and when you know Jesus, you begin to understand how valuable you are to him. And you begin to understand just how, how, how faithful he is to you. And you begin to be able to tune into him. And it's not just about opening a book and reading it. It's not just about, hey, making a few good adjustments in life or sitting in church service. It becomes about a God who died for you. And he begins to speak to you. He begins to open your spiritual ears in ways that you've never, never, never heard before. And you begin to go, wow, there's so much, there's something deeper to this than just religious activity. There's something, something way deeper to this than just changing my life and doing good things. There is a God who loves me who died for me. And we begin to get this realization that, that he didn't just love you from afar. He loved you and gave every single thing he had for you. And all of a sudden it becomes personal because you begin to ask yourself the question, why? Why would he do that for me? And you begin to, to think about that and you begin to ponder it. And the more you read and the more you evaluate, he begins to breathe life into these things that you're doing. And this relationship begins. It no longer becomes just about doing the things. It becomes about wanting to know God and, and wanting to know him who died for me. It becomes, I want to get close to you. It becomes about coming to him when you fail and knowing that he loves you. It's when you move past religious activity into a relationship. With him. And that, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 22, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he didn't stop. But he said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And we, we think that's because we're just supposed to do this religious thing. No, it's because that's when we begin to know God. That's when, the, that's when we love God with all our hearts. That's what gives us the motivation and the fuel to stay long after it gets difficult. And you'll begin to see the, the life through the lens of his word. And you won't be deceived by whatever it is that comes into your life that Satan wants to lie to you about. You, you, I don't know what it is for you. I know some of the things that he lies to me about. Some of the things that I can sit back and go, oh, wow, that was, that was really messed up. But when I'm in it, oh, I don't see it. I feel it. And I'm so susceptible. Whatever that is for you, he's saying when you love God with all your heart, you're able to see truth in that. I'm not standing here today because it's easy. I'm not standing here today with the life that I have because it's hard. I'm standing here today because I love God. <laughs> That's why I'm standing here today. And I'm seeing truth in my life because of it. A lot of people think that, that hearing God is, is a mystery and that it's hard and, 
You know, the, the real re- reason why people think that is because they don't read the Bible or evaluate their lives according to it. How are you going to hear God speak if you don't position yourself to listen? And these lies are speaking all the time. They, they don't stop. They don't take a break. Uh, you've been looking at these, these lies the whole time that I've been talking. You, you've been looking at that lie, whatever that is for you. I don't know what Satan's telling you. Maybe he's telling you, you know, it, it's okay to live with him or to live with her before you're married or to have sex with them before you. After all, you know what? You need to know what it's like before you commit. And, and we will soak that up because it feels good. Or, or maybe he's saying, you know what? The line is kind of blurred with, with what it, when it comes to what you put in your body or how much you put in your body. It's really, you know, how much is too much? It's really about, you know, what feels good. It's really up to you. What, what can you handle? And so we, we'll, we'll soak it up. Uh, or, or maybe it's this. Maybe the Bible is just a really old book for pastors and for your grandparents. <laughs> you know, it's not really for you. It's kind of outdated. What, what matters is you're happy. So as long as you're happy, then that's, that's all that really matters. Or, or maybe it's being a Christian, living for God is subjective. It's more like a feeling. So if you feel good, you're good. And that's what Satan wants to do. He dresses up the truth because it feels good, but it is a, it's a lie. And they're believable unless we know the truth. It's, it's, we'll, we'll believe it. But then... We, we look at these lies and we say, you know what, I'm gonna, I am going to read my Bible. I am going to evaluate my life. I am going to love God with all my heart. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these things with everything I have. And what that's going to do is it's going to give you a, a biblical worldview. And we're going to begin to look at God's word through the lens of the Bible. And that's what this is. This is my biblical worldview. And whenever I begin to look at lies through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of God's word, I begin to see something I didn't see before. I begin to see truth that I didn't see. The truth was there the whole time. The fact is, you just couldn't see it. Maybe you saw it a little bit. Maybe it was a little bit inconspicuous. But, but there's truth there. And I've got this biblical worldview. I never saw the truth before, but guess what? Now I do. And without it, look, I'm just looking at a lie, and I don't see it. But whenever I begin to take on the scriptures and apply them to myself, whenever I begin to evaluate my life and to really not not just do it a little bit, but say everything in my life, I am committing myself to you, God, then God is going to open up your eyes. The Bible says he doesn't hide himself from those who are seeking him. He doesn't forsake those who are actually seeking him. And and all of a sudden, you've got this biblical worldview. Yeah, there's a smiley face because it makes you happy whenever you do it, right? Uh, It's the truth. And it's there the whole time. We just don't see it. Now, here, here's what happens sometimes if we're not careful. We, we, we have the Bible in our lives, and we, we have some of the things that we're doing, but it has absolutely no power in it because we're not applying it. We're not actually doing anything with it. We're just associated with Jesus. And so we've got the Bible in our back pocket. We read a, a scripture or two a day. We attend church services, but we, we're really not evaluating our life. We're really not doing anything with it. And so we, nothing happens. We still see the lie. That's why the book of James says, you know what, don't just hear the word, but actually walk away and do what it says. Otherwise, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer of it, he says you walk away, it's like looking into a mirror, and you walk away and you immediately forget what you look like. And so we, we, we've got an association with Christ because maybe we're, we're doing some things, but this absolutely has no power in it at all. It gets hard, it gets difficult, and we just we disconnect from the power source, but we're still associated. People still think that we're, we're Christians because we're doing some of the religious things. But we couldn't see truth if it hit us upside the head. There's no fruit in our lives because we're, we're still doing the same stuff. Some of the same things are still 
affecting us. I'm still looking at this lie and the truth, even though now you can probably see just a little outline of it, the lie is bigger, it's brighter. But whenever I begin to really pick up that word and dive into it, <laughs> and, and not just for a book, God told me one time, he said, Ryan, you can read every word of that and still miss me. Some of the best known atheists on this planet know the scriptures and they can kick your butt in a, in a debate and mine too. Satan knows the word of God. What do you think he uses to twist it and make it a lie to you? Reading it occasionally just as an act of religious duty, that doesn't get you anywhere. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And it's like plugging yourself into a power source. And all of a sudden now, something very different happens. I begin to see that truth. It begins to be bright and clear. That lie is still there. It's not like Satan just stops. But whenever you begin to say the truth, the truth begins to set you free. There is power in truth. He may still tempt you at times. I don't know. I don't know what, what's, what tempts you and what doesn't. But that biblical worldview, that lie detector that you're going to put in your life, that's what's going to give you the ability to see the truth. It was there the whole time. You just couldn't see it because we weren't looking through the right light. He said, your word is a light for me to guide me. Your word is is a lamp to my path. It's his word. And when you begin to make decisions off of this truth, when you begin to make life decisions out of this biblical worldview, man, you're gonna see marriages stay together. You will, because you're both looking at truth. You're gonna see hurts in your life that are worked through towards healing. All kinds of things. You're gonna be seeing yourself grow as a person. You're gonna be somebody that other people come to and look to for wisdom. Because the truth of the word of God isn't just for you, but it goes into you and, then, and, and it overflows in you to every person you meet, every person you touch, the people you love, the influence that you have. You'll become that person that people come to. You'll become the exact person that God intended you to be when he made you. How many of you today would say, I want more of a biblical view in my life? I, I want more. I don't care if you're 10 in here or if you're 110, we're all sucking in the same air. You know what that means? We're all human and we're all imperfect. <laughs> and until God calls you home, wherever that is in the sky, you're going to be an imperfect human being. And you need to grow. You need to constantly be seeking God and his word. And here's the fact, God loves you and he extends his word, the same purity, the same strength, the same uh, the same strength of his word applies to you just as it does me. He doesn't hold it back from you just because you might be seeking it for the first time or because you have a history of failures. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. That same truth is just as bright for me as your pastor as it is for you sitting in a seat. I'm just a man, an imperfect one at that. So how many of you would say, God, I want your truth? Satan would lie to you and say, maybe right now he's saying to you, you don't deserve that. God's perfect, and you know you're not. And he's reminding you of stuff right now. It's happening because we're human. I'm doing it right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm knowing that God, there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And when I come to him in and through Jesus Christ, God says, you know what? I, you're seen as worthy in my sight. How many of you today would say, God, I want to come to you. Can we just stand together? We're going to pray before we go. Pray with me. God, we love you. And that's so much more than just words. Lord, that's, that's action. Love is a verb. It always has been. 
you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you acted, you died for us. And Father, there's a lot of people that are hearing my voice right now. And Satan has targeted every one of them, myself included. He doesn't have any new tricks. He doesn't have any new lies. Just the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Help us to get clarity right now and understand that we do have something to combat that with. But it's not our willpower. It's not our own wisdom. Your word says don't lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, trust the Lord, and he will direct our path. Help us to understand that exposing those lies is going to depend completely on us coming to you, reading the word, evaluating our lives, and to give that fuel, learning to know what a relationship with you is as we love you with all of our hearts. I pray that becomes real to all of us today as we begin to make that decision. Every one of us in this room, you have a decision to make right now. Am I going to walk out of here and am I going to think the same way? Am I going to say, well, that, that's good preaching, but you know what? My life is still my life. My routines are still my routines. My habits are still my habits. Or are we going to walk out of here and say, the God of the universe has called my name today. And it's up to me to make a choice. And I know he's going to empower me to do it. I just want to encourage you, church, don't ignore the voice of God that's calling your name right now. Not only is he awesome in power and in majesty and in holiness and supremacy, not only is he all that, but he loves you. It's, it's, it's the greatest privilege any of us could ever have on, on, on this planet and, and beyond when we leave here one day is knowing that the God of the universe knows our names and he loves us so much that he died for us. And he did so much to give us his word and so much so that we can be worthy of it. Let's not deny the greatest thing that's ever happened in the, 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 the history of the human race. Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in here today and, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Or, or maybe you, you know you've been living a life that's, that's been in willful sin. And, and you're saying today, I, I need forgiveness. I don't know if anybody can forgive me because that's what we think as humans. God can't do that. Or we just, we run, we feel condemnation, we feel guilty. And God's saying, I pay too big of a price. That, that's the lie Satan would, would have you believe. But the truth is, is that in the word of God, that God paid too big of a price for you to walk around feeling guilty. Maybe today you would say, I don't know how, but I, I choose to expose that lie with the truth of the word of God. For God so loved me that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. That's a verse we probably all heard before. And it's never been more true than it is right now. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to pray this prayer with me. God, I need you. Satan would lie to me and, and have me believe that I'm not good enough. He would lie to me and make me believe that you don't love me, that you can't use me, that you're too big and too perfect to ever look at me and think that I even matter. But that's not what your word says. Your word says the complete opposite. And so I want to choose that. I want to choose that a biblical viewpoint on this. That's the truth. Satan is the father of lies. And the truth is, is that you love me. I don't know how you, you, you do that. I don't know why you do it, but you love me so much that you sent your son to die for me. And I believe in him. I want to believe in that. I believe that he really came to this earth, became a human being and died in my place. And I believe that he raised from the dead. And I, I don't know how all that works. I don't know how your love works. Your word also says that your love is higher than the heavens. We don't even know how high the heavens go. And your love's higher than that but I know it, it's, it reaches me. 
So I'm just shifting my thinking right now to look through the lens of the word of God and I choose to believe in you. I choose to love you, and not with my words, not with my feelings, but with my actions. I'm gonna aim my heart at you and make some adjustments. I can't do it just on adjustments, God. I know Jesus is the only reason that you see me as worthy, but I wanna change my life, so help me to do it. Guide me as I aim my heart at you. Lord, there's people all over this room and under the sound of my voice, God, that need you and have made some decisions today to follow you. I pray you bless it. I pray you strengthen and encourage them as we walk out of here, Father. Encouraged in you. And it's all through the beautiful name of Jesus that makes all this possible. Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. So we, we just thank you for being that truth in us. It's in your name we pray this. Can we say amen together? Amen.